Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. I'm David Norrie and to my right is the beautiful woman who just gave birth. You don't have the bump anymore. I do not have the Well, I have a, I have, <laughs> I've got bumps. <laughs> I've got many bumps after giving birth, which was more like a birth trauma, but thank God she's here. Yeah. Thank we got our new little here. co-host over here. So if you hear something, uh, if you hear a little cooing, we're going to do the best we can. This is life guys. This is it. Yeah. Um, quick shout out to my friends Pearson and Christine over in uh, Maui. Maui for this family stay rooted hat. If you guys want one of those, I'll message me and I'll tell you where to get one. It's awesome. So today we're going to talk about family. Got my shirt on that says, uh, my favorite people call me dad. Is this true? Well, what about me? Yeah, you're my favorite people. But I don't call you dad. You call me big papa. <laughs> Bam. All right, Angela, why don't you look up a couple of things real quick on your Bible app. We're going to start off, guys, you're going to love this episode. I'm really excited about it. Um, we're going to kind of touch on family. Uh, we're going to touch on uh, the importance of family. We're going to touch on community and being home and, and really being present with your family. So um, bear with me here because I'm going to have Angela do something. Angela, look up Deuteronomy 4.2 for me. Okay. What does it say? Um, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord, your God that I give you. Okay. So do not add or do, do not subtract. Look up Revelation twenty two eighteen. Do not add, do not subtract. And then that was Deuteronomy. That's Revelation twenty two eighteen. Okay. I warn everyone who hears the word words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. Okay. Two times. Do not add. Let's go to Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. See if we can establish something here. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Okay. So, Angie, you know where we got this first. There's, there's a couple more, but you guys get the point. Um, when it's we first over. went through our Bible study with our friend Mike, Mike uh, really opened my eyes. He had us all read these, and there was probably two or three more, but you get the point. After three, you, you get it. It's do not add or take away. And Mike asked this simple question. He said, well, if it's mentioned that many times in that many different places, do you think it's important? Yes. Okay, you got me. Yeah, it's important. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a couple more and into the same vein. And let me know if you see a pattern here. Uh, Acts 2, 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received 
their food with glad and generous hearts. Okay, and Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, is that is? Yep. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, so Acts 2.46, attending the temple together, breaking bread, Hebrews 10.4, stir up one another with good works and meet together. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers. So you start to see a pattern develop here, guys. Right there, Ange, read that one. Ecclesiastes 2.24, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Nothing better for a person that he should eat or drink and find enjoyment. Deuteronomy 12, 7, And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You should eat, you should rejoice in your household. And here's my favorite one, Corinthians eleven thirty three thirty four. 34. Yes, First Corinthians 11, 33 through 34. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you shall eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, that when you meet together, it will not result in judgment. It is at the, the, the dining table, particularly a dinner table, the family is apt to be at its greatest ease. And that's a, that last one, we, we mixed those two here. Okay. So the first Corinthians basically says, when you get together to eat, you should all eat together. And, and this is make sure you don't result in judgment. And then the sociologist H.S. Bossard says it is at the, di- the dining table, particularly at dinner time, the family is apt to be at its greatest ease. So we did this to set you up, obviously. Um, if you see that first part of the scripture says, you know, don't add or take anything away to this book, and you see it mentioned so many times, common sense would tell you, hey, probably an important message is if, if it's repeated over and over again. Well, Again, these are just a few messages about the importance of eating, the importance of gathering, the importance of meals together in communion, the importance of meals together in communion, guys. And when we think of communion, for your old school Catholics like me, we think of communion at church. I I partake of communion because that was the meal that was representing the first meal where where Jesus broke bread and said, take this body uh, and and this wine, and this represents my blood and my body. If we look at the, and if we look at the definition of communion, uh, Merriam-Webster's definition, uh, the sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level, the sharing of thoughts or feelings. So, my friends, in chapter six through eight of my book, turned on something Angelique and I are really super, super passionate about, and you'll see it coming up more and more in the, in the next coming months when we do something called the turned on table. So many of us are frustrated at the world. So many of us say, what can we do? How can we make the world a better place? We're overwhelmed. There's violence. There's destruction. There is arguing. There is financial worries. All of these things. What can we do? What can we do? We're just one person. I got the answer for you. Let's get back to the dinner table. Back to the dinner table. Let's get back to the dinner table. So chapter six, seven, and eight are turn on your home, turn on, turn on the family, turn on the neighborhood. Ange, when I was growing up, you had to be at the dinner table. 
You had to be. Mm-hmm. Dinner was at the same time every night. You had to be there and you had to partake. You couldn't say, dad, I'm out playing or I'm on my phone or I'm watching a TV show. No, 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 no. So we see what's happened over the years with the intrusion of technology. Now our kids are coming to the table and they're coming to the table with devices or we have our computers out or it's Grubhub and we're eating really fast so we can get back to work. Mm-hmm. So or let, there is a TV on. Yeah. Let's not be naive. Let's not be naive. Times change. And I'm not going to be one of those people who says in my day and let's, but we can go back. We can, we can have the best of both worlds of technology and of what it means to be at a family dinner. Yeah. Well, those are time. That's timeless. You know, there's, again, we're not naive. We understand what we're living in. We understand that the way of the world has us relegated to technology, especially now. I mean, kids are doing homeschool from school or for school with their school through technology. We're doing this through technology. People are doing business through technology, especially since what's happened here in 2020. So then you ask yourself, well, where is it? Where can we draw the line? And the more intrusive it becomes, the easier it is for us to be on that slow, gradual slope. But if we can restore the family at the dinner table, if we can bring people back to the fulcrum of the home with the nucleus of the family being Christ, then we've allowed ourselves to hold on to something timeless yet so relevant now more than ever. So think about the paradox in that. Like, it's a timeless thing, meaning it's like it's ancient. You know, it's t- we're talking about it here from biblical uh, scripture, but it's so relevant right now. And if we can't, if we don't hold on to that, we're going to start ripping at the seams, and that, yeah. that's in the family. So if you can do anything you can do this. We're constantly looking outside of ourselves of how can we improve what's going on. But the ripple effect that would happen if we just hold tight to what we have in our own homes, Mm -hmm. that will slowly change the world. Uh, 100%. Because everyone's looking for some magic thing. It's the simple things. You get back to common sense. What were you doing before? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about here um, is really what we're looking at here, babe, is getting back to the table, getting back to the things that we know make us a unit, make us really bond together. And, and let's face it, if it's mentioned over 90 times in the Bible, chances are it's pretty important, right? The dinner, communion, getting together, breaking bread, it's important. Times have changed. My mom worked at a school and she worked from eight o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. She came home at three, had about an hour, and then she started making that family meal at four. Mm. And she cooked to probably six every night. Mm. And it, it was it was always like, you know, roast and you know, potatoes and stuff, and everybody had to eat it. We didn't have a choice like these kids today. So she made that meal, and the fact of the matter is it took her a long time. And, and like I said, women today, like Angelique, you're not going to be able to come home and make a meal for two hours every day. And, <laughs> and there's already a, home. But yeah. I'm not doing that. So let's just be a realistic. You're not going to be able to sit, come home and make a two hour meal. It's, but what, what's happening Instapot. is, yeah. So what can we do? And, and what we're asking families to do is just a couple times a week or even a couple times a month, 
get let the kids get their hands in the meal. Yeah. Let prepare the meal. You know, with Grubhub and DoorDash, what's happening is we're we're taking this communion, this meal, this breaking of bread that's mentioned over and over and over again in the Bible. We're taking that and we're speeding it up and we're pushing it out and under the guise of being busy, under the guise of hustling, under the guise of, hey, we don't want to miss out on the iPad or or the Netflix or what were, you know, our spreadsheets. That's That's got to stop. Or the scroll hole, because let's be honest, that's where a lot of us are. Like and, even under the guise of hustle and grind, you'll see a lot of wasted time in the scroll hole. And somehow that becomes of the utmost importance. Well, what, what you put before your eyes will be repeated. So I'm a big fan of psychology. I remember in college, there was this psychology class where they had these kids come in and they had other kids watching them on a closed circuit TV. And they had one of those big things that used to, um, it had sand in the bottom and it was like a big blow up doll, like a clown. It was filled with air and you'd punch it. It would come back. And so these kids that watched these other kids go into the room and play with the toys, but avoid the blow up doll and avoid punching it. When those kids went into the room later on, what did they do? They avoided the blow up doll and they played with all the other toys around it. So the second group of kids was shown a different video on closed circuit TV where these kids came into the same room and they ignored all the toys and they all started beating up and punching this blow up doll. (laughs) So when those kids came back in to the same room, what do you think those kids did? They went right to the blow up doll and they started beating it up and punching it. So all these people who are telling you that, oh, well, no, these violent video games, these violent TV shows, these things, these kids, that has no impact. You know what I say? <laughs> Bull, you know what? Yeah. Come on. Common sense will tell you. So I'll ask you guys this. Ange, how many times did we watch that explosion in Cairo last week? That huge explosion. I lost count. How many different angles? I lost count. And every time you saw it, what, were, what, were, what, what, what was your body telling you when you watched that for the first time and the third time and the tenth time? Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a stress response. There's an anxiousness that comes with it. There's fear. There's, um, uh, compassion, uh, there's pain involved. And then, then you think that's not a fireworks plan. Right. But you said (laughs) stress, fear, pain. Yeah. There's, there's an internal response and we saw it over and over and over again. So my question is, what are we seeing to ourselves? What are we seeing here? Our world, our world becomes what is going on on television or on social media. And even, even in our own little homes here, if you're only going out each day to your porch to see what Amazon delivered and you're not talking to your neighbors and you're not getting outside and you're not in communion with your community, then your worldview becomes only what's in your house, only what you know and see in your house, and basically what you know and see from television and social media. Your worldview becomes distorted because your worldview is not real. You're locked inside your house. In the book, I ask, should we pat ourselves in the back that we can now stay barricaded in our homes for weeks, months without going out because we have the luxury of having everything delivered to us? Is that a big, hey, congratulations, you know, society, congratulations, world, you now don't even have to leave your house. So now your worldview of what real life is, is relegated to what you see through the screens in your home. Yeah. And that's why the family dinner and that's why community and getting out to your neighbors is so important. So important, babe. Well, 
you know, it reminds me of the movie Wally. Um, that I'm sure you referenced it too. Is we've talked about this on a number of occasions, the Disney movie Wally, and you know it, it means different things to me now because when I first looked at the movie, it was you know they're all in their electronic chairs playing virtual golf, getting food delivered um, to their robot chairs that they're sitting on. Um, straws are just kind of entering their mouth they're all overweight you know there's no real life at all yes and now i'm looking at it and going geez it looks like kind of where we're headed um and even worse and more of a setup now with 2020 because it's we're creating things to make it more convenient for us to feel comfortable yes. in the fact that we have to be distanced and away from each other and less reliant upon our own humanity and more reliant upon inter artificial intelligence. And so you said two things. You said, first of all, we talked about the psychological part of being locked in. Now you're talking about overweight. You're talking about the physical ramifications. So mm -hmm. the turned on table, the turned on philosophy goes into the turned on health. Mm -hmm. um, turned on body. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something right here. Look, I, I won't mention the store. It was a very popular electronics store. And, and I, I, I hesitate because I don't want to, I don't want to assume things. I don't want to paint a broad stroke, but you guys make the decision for yourself. And I can only tell you what I see in common sense. I can only tell you what I'm seeing in my eyes. I went into a very large electronics store. Okay. There's about 15 people working out of those 15 people. I would say at least 75% were young men between the ages of 25 and 35. Out of those young men between the ages of 25 and 35 working at this electronics store, I would say half of them were morbidly obese. Yeah, morbidly obese. And, and I asked myself, what is this? Why is this attracting? Well, well, people that love electronics are home in front of their TV, home playing video games that are working at these stores. They're not outside. They're not exercising. So now it becomes not only are we locking ourselves inside, sedated by TV, sedated by video games, and what is that doing to us psychologically? What is that doing to us physically? And then you take that physical thing and you take generations of people who aren't getting out of their house and you go, what does that do to us economically? What does that mean for the future of healthcare when we have morbidly obese populations that have been sitting and not being active? Do you see what the ramifications are? When we're having fast food, when Taco Bell has a commercial or someone with a guy sitting on the couch and it's praising that person sitting on the couch, basically saying, hey, don't move. We're going to deliver you more tacos. Mm -hmm. can we wake up can i mean i'm not making an assumption here if you have a commercial where you have something on the couch being a lazy you know what and it says don't move and we'll deliver you more cheap food that's destroying you that has no nutritional sustenance in it and we're going to deliver it to you for really peanuts in terms of pricing yes you're going to be a sloth you're going to be morbidly obese and eventually before you get into your 60s, probably in your 40s and 50s, you're going to be a burden on the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So do we see what the table, what community, what breaking bread and breaking good bread, nutritional bread, what it does for not only our psychological, our emotional bodies, but our physical bodies. And then it bleeds into our economic situation. Mm -hmm. This is hugely important, hugely important. But what, think about all the things you mentioned in um, physical, economical, and sociological, um, spiritual. 
what is happening to the human spirit as a result of all of the things that we're talking about right now. And in many, many people um, that listen to our podcast are heavily, heavily, deeply rooted in their faith, and some are searching. And so I say to those that are searching, and you don't know where to start, if you start at the dinner table, if you start in communion, there is an awakening. There's a great awakening of your spirit when, when you come together in that kind of communion, when you are able to bring God back to the center and the nucleus of the family, because there's life in that. It's a, it's a living, he's living, he's, the word is living, the Holy Spirit is alive. And if we can bring that life yeah. back to the family, then all of the things that feel like they are dying, yep. all of the things that feel void and empty, all of the things that have been ripped from our hands, our freedoms, our luxuries. I mean, think about how we can now start to focus on the simplicity of what we've had access to all along. Yeah, well, but have been distracted, guys. And, and by, if you're not following Mark Driscoll in the Trinity Church, follow him. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to be. I'm not going to hint about it anymore. I'm not even going to feel like bad that I'm, I'm just pushing it because ch- game changer, Pastor Mark Driscoll, the Trinity Church. And the reason I bring that up is because Mark Driscoll always says the Bible isn't an old book; it's an eternal book. It's not just timeless. I mean, it's not. It's timely, therefore, it's timeless. Okay. And because it's timeless, it's timely. In other words, these things about dinner and communion, it, it wasn't just 2,000 years ago. No, it's now. It's now. Mm-hmm. It's now. And, and you're yeah, asking- Timeless and relevant. You're asking what this has to do in terms of where we're going with our children in society. Guys, uh, I'll read you this quote. Kanye West literally just told the entire Lakewood Church on live TV that the entertainment industry puts images and symbolism in their movies and television shows to make children stop thinking for themselves and makes it easier to accept everything they watched. And this says nobody clapped. So Kanye stood there for two to three seconds and said, y'all can go research it. Kanye just told the people to protect their kids and do some research on Hollywood symbolism. Guys, thank you, Kanye. And here's the thing. I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to tiptoe around this. I've been watching. I've been studying. I've been dissecting the things that my kids are watching primarily on the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. There is psychological operations going on on the Disney Channel right now. I don't care. Oh, for sure. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You could say I'm crazy. I watch it. I'm, I'm watching it with common sense. The stuff that Disney is putting out there is meant to influence our children. It's setting them up for things that are not godly, are not godly. And against the nuclear family. Against the nuclear family. Yeah. Against, and it's so hard for us because I grew up on Disney. I, I I lived in Florida. I went to Disney since the day it was open. My parents took me there. I went two or three times a year. Our big vacation every year is to Disney World. So now I'm conflicted. What do I do? Because I know they're against the family, but I, my kids don't understand that yet. They're like, we just want to go to Disney World. It's very hard to tell a five-year-old and an eight-year-old what they're doing, that what they're watching isn't really what they're watching. Yeah. It's a very hard concept, but let's get back to what we can do um, to promote this. Let's get back to positivity. So the first thing I will say, gentlemen, edify your wives. Edify your wives, edify your wives. Edify them publicly, 
edify them social, on social media, edify them to their face, edify them in prayer. You may say, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing that. No, here's the thing. If there are young men out there and there are other people that need to see things, if we can watch violence and that replicates violence, if we can, if we can watch sex and that replicates sex, then why can't we show more loving your wives, more edifying your wives so that replicates to the next generation? This is how it's done. Because it's not controversial. No, gentlemen, I'm calling on you right yeah. now. I'm telling you, young men, old men, I don't care where you are. If you have a wife, and you care about the future of this country, and you care about if, you're, if you have any sort of faith in you whatsoever, edify your wife so people know that is how it's done. Men, our, our pastors all over the place, okay? For three years, we had different pastors that didn't know each other for the last three years. And Angelique and I kept saying, wow, they keep talking about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. This was in 2018, 2019. And we just kept hearing over and over these these sermons about spiritual warfare. And we said, why? Why are all these guys that don't know each other talking about it? Yeah. Hmm. Here we are. Here we are. Spiritual warfare. Now we see all the pastors talking about men, step up, lead the family. Men, step up. If we're going to make a change in this country, if we're going to make a change in the world, it's going to be on the, on the shoulders of the men who set the ways, who love their wives and love their families. So I'm calling on you. I'm just, I'm a sounding board for this for this call right now, I'm going to reiterate it over and over again. I'm calling on good men to be publicly engaged in loving, edifying their wives on the outside in public and then doing it again in prayer and in the home in private. Well, if you win the men, you win the family. If you win the family, you win the war. This is where we are more than, more than ever. And I know there are different... I mean, I came from a broken home. You know, my parents were divorced. So on the, from the outside looking in, my family wasn't the nuclear family after some time. You know, it was a single parent home, an only child. We ate cereal for dinner. I was very poor. Um, but we always believed in the nuclear family. There was no indoctrination right. from my mother saying, hey, you don't need a man. Uh, you don't need, you can be independent. My, my dad always encouraged me to be independent, to not rely on, uh, you know, rely on a man. So I had sort of two right. schools of thought. So, all right, rise up to my independence because I want to be able to stand on my own two feet in my wholeness and completeness, but also value and cherish what my mother desired, always wanted and strived for. And eventually, you know, even towards the end we rekindled you know there was there was family dinners yeah. with my parents yep. there was connectivity there those was, were some of the best times too. They, those family dinners with your parents when they rekindled i love them mm-hmm. and you don't you made a great point angelique you don't have to be a product or be from a nuclear family to believe and encourage the nuclear family that's right okay that's a that's a great point and there are some organizations right now where if you look at their about us on their website yeah. they're Goal, plainly stated, is to disrupt and destroy the nuclear family. That is a direct assault on me and my family. Mm -hmm. If your goal is to destroy the nuclear family, it's a direct assault on God, first of all. Mm -hmm. And it's a direct assault on on my beliefs and anybody who believes in God. It's a direct assault. Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. You don't have to be a genius. It doesn't change. The word doesn't change. It doesn't get, it doesn't evolve. No. Adam and Eve doesn't be fruitful and multiply. The word doesn't evolve. It's the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's timeless. Therefore it's timely. 
Okay. So if we look at this, babe, what I wanted to ask you is let's get back to what happens. Let's be realistic. We're busy. Yesterday, I got a new computer from this electronic store and I came home and I was working on it all day. You came to me a couple of times. You said, we need to do this and that. And I said, babe, I'm in the zone. I got to get this computer thing done. Six o'clock came around. I'm in the zone. I worked on this thing all day, all day. About 930, you go, come out here. And we went out into our living room and there's our daughter, Phoenix, who's five. She goes, she's been sitting in front of the TV all day. Sitting in front of the TV all day. Mm-hmm. By herself. By herself. Guys, hey, I wrote the freaking book turned on. I wrote it. I live it. But I, I have to be reminded of it. Remember, turned on is about three things. It's about presence. That's what we're talking about, being present with your family. Not just being with them in the same room, but being present with them. And, and then the, the next thing comes awareness. And that's what I'm talking about here. I know presence. If I tell you guys right now, hey, spend time with your kids. Yeah, I know that. Spend time with your wife and your, or your spouse, your husband. Yeah, I know that. You know it. Put the devices away. Yeah, I know we can't be on our devices all day. I know it. Yeah, that's, that's what you know. The awareness and to stop it and actually do it is a completely different thing. Because yeah. you don't just say, okay, I'm aware, I'm, I'm present and, and I'm going to do it from now on. You have to keep course correcting. Yeah. I didn't plan yesterday to ignore my five-year-old. I wrote the book on being present and I wasn't present. Do you see what happens? This is a powerful force. The doctor that I interviewed for the book, um, he, he said, he goes, we as humans don't really possess the ability because there's a dopamine reaction from these devices. If left to our own, devi- left to our own t- devices, we will get pulled to those devices. Mm-hmm. It's a dopamine reaction. We have to be cognizant of it. And when the presence is there, when the awareness is there, then the beautiful part is the opportunity. What is the opportunity, Ange? What is the opportunity for being present and aware with your family? Where is the opportunity? Where's the good? Where's the reward? Where's the fruit come from that? Well, it's, it's always in the windshield. Like where, where can we take a step in the right direction? Where can we flip the switch in the right direction to turn the lights on? So, I want to break down presence and awareness for a second because some people might be like, well, what's the difference? Well, because you can be present and have a family movie night and be, you know, together and, and call it a a great time of, you know, quality connection with your family. Yes. But if you're not aware of what's going on around you, it, something will slip through your, your fingers. What about, what about being present in church versus being aware and in a relationship in church, I, I've sat through entire masses and I've been present. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mean I was there emotionally, spiritually. I was there. I was sitting in a pew. Yeah. But let's, I want to break this down for a second. Cause you just talked about like Disney. Yeah. Okay. You talked about the things that we're seeing. We can be present with our family among chaos and then not recognize it. Right. We can sit down in front of a Disney movie together or go to Disney world and not, Look at the symbolism that is actually breaking down the family and brush it off. That kind of awareness. Awareness meaning, whoa, let's stop for a second and turn the lights on here. Because if we can turn the lights on, we'll actually expose the darkness that's seeping into our homes. We can see, be aware of, cognizant of the things that are starting to creep in, intrude break down and disrupt exactly what we're trying to restore and resurrect. 
And then that is where opportunity lies. Because if you look at scripture, and I always reference the divine order, going back to Genesis, when he created the heavens and the earth, he was hovering over everything. And it was a formless void. Just think about those words right now. He hovered over a formless void. What are we in right now? (laughs) We are in a formless void. And the first commandment out of his mouth was let there be light. Amen. He flipped a switch. And he's like, I, there is no way that this formless void is going to create any order if I don't turn the lights on first. So the aware, he was present because he's God and he was before there was a beginning. But the awareness was time to turn the lights on. So families, when you're present and you see a formless void, flip the switch. That's your awareness because you can't be aware of something unless you turn the lights on. Then there's the opportunity to restore divine order. Then there's the opportunity to restore life. Then there's the opportunity to restore family and restore the ability to be fruitful and multiply. And then there's the opportunity to multiply that across generations. That's what the family was for. That's why he created one family, not a hundred, not a thousand, one. And those families broke off into other families that repeated the same things and we've lost that so understand what presence awareness and opportunity truly is like let's not just forget that these are webster's dictionary words the this is there's something very biblical here that makes sense for you on a deeper level and and so opportunity is a is is sometimes a a a double-edged sword you know opportunity is a double-edged sword opportunity is what brought on the struggle that we're talking about right now, the opportunity to work from home. Now, now it's, we're not, it's not the opportunity. We're mandated for the most part to yeah. work from home. Yeah. But for years now, Angelique and I have worked from home. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity, once the laptop, once the mobile office uh, and, and these smartphones were introduced, now we had the opportunity to work from home, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad left the house at eight o'clock in the morning. He came home at six o'clock at night. I saw him for a couple hours in the evening. I saw them on the weekends. Our kids now are with us a lot, almost all day in the same house. Mm-hmm. Great. The opportunity, the opportunity to work from home, but now we're blurring the lines. Mm-hmm. Now we're blurring the lines and that's what gets scary. And then it becomes who's influencing our children. If we are working all day from home or we're working at night or we're, who's influencing our children, the kids? And do we know what they're influencing? Do we know what's happening? Do we know what, are we aware and, and we don't want to have to scrutinize everything. We don't have to look at everything and, and like look at every yeah. cartoon and go, what does this mean? Yeah. Wait a minute. Was that what I think it means? Why are they doing this? No, but it's blatantly obvious. It's blatantly obvious. When one, of my, when one of the kids in the Disney channel has a serpent tattoo on her finger and an immortal tattoo on her arm and, uh, and she's got thousands of followers and she's 25 (laughs) when she's 25 and she's saying, I want to open the children's ideas to a whole new way of being a woman. And she doesn't have kids yet. And she's not married. Hey, that's my girls that you're talking about influencing young lady. You haven't even gotten married yet. You've never given birth. Like my wife just did. Don't talk about influencing a whole generation of women 
until you are old enough to know what that means with the serpent tattoo and the immortal thing on your hand. Yeah. You're not going to influence my daughter. I shut you off. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. My eyes are open. I'm woke to what you got going on. <laughs> I'm, woke to, I'm woke to Disney. Hey, you know Miley Cyrus? Disney. Britney Spears? Disney. The other one who's a porn director? Disney. You, got, you ain't got a good track record, Disney. You know, when you see a pattern, we talk to a doctor and I say, hey, this is a coincidence. The doctor goes, that, that's not a coincidence. That's a, called a cluster and it's a scientific thing when something happens over and over again. So Disney, when you have all these kids that come through your program, they end up being messed up in the head. That's not a coincidence. That's a cluster. There's something going on there behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it coming into my house. Mm-hmm. So guys, you have to be protective. You can't just sit your kids in front of the television and go, oh, that's, that's Mickey Mouse. That's Walt Disney. It was at one point. Now it's a media conglomerate. And when there's money and when there's influence at hand and when there's conglomerates and they're doing other things, you got to be aware, kids. <laughs> you got to be aware. What's going on in your homes and offices? Kanye's woke. Kanye knows it. Say whatever you want about him. I think he's onto something. I know he is. I know he's onto something. So here we are. What can we do? We talk about the table. We're going to have something called the turned on table. We might as well start promoting it now. The turned on table is going to ask you guys, it's no benefit for us. It's no financial. We're not asking you to pay anything. We're not asking you to give anything. We're just asking you to have dinner with your kids. It's a movement. It's a movement. Mm-hmm. We're trying to make a change in the world. We're saying, hey, make dinner with them. Turn on ta- home. The turned on table isn't, hey, we all gather around the table with our cell phones on the table and the TV on and we get Grubhub. That's not the turned on table. Mm-hmm. The turned on table is phones away, TV off, computers away. Let's sit down. Let's get some vegetables out. Let's, let's take the kids. Let's get them on stools. Let's get them around the kitchen. Let's maybe not put knives in their hands, but let's let them make, let's let them stir some things up. Let's let them know how to cook. You know, when, when Angelique was in the hospital this last week, my brother was here, my older brother, and he's a fantastic cook. Fantastic like a chef style cook. And he put so much love into these meals. Mm-hmm. He put so much in, in, the, in the chopping and the carving and the, and the preparation and even the presentation of what these meals were. And you see that that's, that's what God intended. This is now, this is not Grubhub shows up and we just eat it as fast as we can because we got to get back to our laptops or we got to get back to our movie. This is, this is put love into something. You know this. When you put love into something, you put effort into it, you appreciate it much more. So if you're getting Grubhub six nights a week, if you're putting in chicken nuggets or you're ordering pizza and, and you're sitting around the couch and nobody's at the table, let's, let's just use common sense. That's not communion. You're going to take that for granted. It's easy. You get your kids around, you spend a little extra time, maybe once a week, twice a week, maybe twice a month. That's all we're asking. Mm-hmm. And they're in the process of making this meal and there's love. You know, one of my best friends used to say, I put a lot of love into my cooking and it meant something. When we ate it, we savored it. It, it, was, it was not just we took it and we just ate it real quick. We savored it and we talked about it. That's communion. That's communion. I'm going I'm to give you the definition one more time because you got to know the definition of communion is the sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. All throughout my book, I cite quotes. I cite research. I think it's 30% less our people are, are at the dinner table now. Why 75% more kids are, are saying that they would love to have more time with their families. Mm. 
They want this. They need this. It's, it's a fact that, that being around the dinner table is when kids develop their personality. They, they develop their courage, their ability to speak up, their ability to articulate themselves. And have a Their real ability to have sh shared thoughts and feelings. Angelique is super passionate about this because she didn't have it as a kid. I had it with my mom. You know, she was always really big about having us sit down and eat. Well, talk. No, I want um, this is important. I'm glad you said that because as we finish up here, I want you to talk about single parents out there, not just single moms, but single dads, because the last thing I want to do is alienate them from this passionate conversation. Yeah. Or if you don't have kids and it's, it's just a, 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 a spousal relationship, mm -hmm. if you don't have kids, this conversation is just as much for you as anybody else. Yeah. This is not just for about people who everything is like roses and they just need to come together. It's not the Walton. This is about families who have suffered divorce, families who are, are, are struggling with infertility right now. You are a family. Military families separated. You are, yes, indeed. You are a family. So talk about this from your perspective, Ange, being raised by a single mom, how you can still have communion. You can still have the power of the family meal. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, my, uh, my mom was a very hard worker because everything relied upon her income, um, you know, to, to raise me and to keep a roof over our head and, clothes on our back food on the table yes there was there was some really hard times when it was cereal for dinner and we sat at the dinner table and had a bowl of cereal or a bowl of oatmeal um or eggs and toast um but my mom loved to cook and she was a big fan of the crock pot so she would put the slow cooker on first thing in the morning. And when I would come home from school every day, I would open the front door and she wasn't there yet because she worked till, you know, five or six. And I could smell the home cooked meal. Um, I can still smell it now as I, as I think back to that house that we lived in, two bedroom, one bath, cost us about $400 a month. Wow. We were wow. very, very, very poor. Um, and I would look forward to that meal with her when she would come home from work. So it was always a home-cooked meal, and we would sit down and have it together. We would talk about our day. We would talk about um, what she was experiencing at work, what I was experiencing at school, um, the, you know, my boy crush, whatever it was, you know. And that's where memories were developed for me and there was always a piece missing without my dad there. So I really looked forward to my birthdays. Um, I really looked forward to holidays because at one point or another, we would finally come together, mostly for my birthday, we would come together um, so they could both be there. And we would sit the three of us down for a family meal and, um, There's so much there's so much to be said about what that meant for me and why it's so important for me now and why I get so frustrated during dinner time if I see one kid upstairs, you know, watching what program she wants to watch or learning a craft on YouTube. Sure, it might be, seem productive. And then the other one watching VeggieTales and my husband on his computer and me just trying to get all the different foods out together 
for us to sit down and have a meal and turn everything off, it's a struggle. But it means so much to me because I didn't have it. So that formless void, I'm trying to restore now. That formless void that I didn't have for decades of my life, I want to fix now because otherwise it will repeat itself in a different manner. This is a very crucial time for my children. I don't want for them to grow up saying, I don't remember dinner because I was eating my meal in front of VeggieTales or daddy was on his computer working or I was upstairs watching this program or mommy was with the baby. Like that's not what I want our family to have as a memory for where families do the most sewing into. And this is why it's so important to me. This is why it's so important to David and I, because we've struggled through it on our own. And this is what the Turned on Table is meant to do for you if you choose to partake in it. We're not asking you to do heavy lifting. It doesn't have to be every day. Start small, one switch at a time. And maybe you already do this, but perhaps you bring a different tradition to it. Perhaps if family dinners are already a thing for you, maybe there's devices nearby that don't need to be there. Maybe there's a TV on even muted in the background. It's a slight distraction. Turn it off. Um, Maybe if it's just awfully quiet and the silence is deafening, it's time to have a more meaningful conversation or ask some harder questions. There's another level for all of us. There's a deeper dig that we all have access to and we kind of just ignore it over time or we just pretend like it's not necessary because we're already doing the thing. So whatever it is that is the formless void for you, this is an opportunity for you to flip the switch. I know this is emotional for you. And as I'm sitting there thinking about your story and how different mine was, we were like the Waltons. We were like happy days, you know, and everybody was around there. Two bro- I mean, uh, two sisters and a brother, my mom and dad. And looking back, I mean, when I was 12 or 13, I, I mean, I was like, no, I don't want to eat dinner. Can I eat out by the TV? My parents were like, no, absolutely not. Or I was out playing and they're like, you've got to come home, right? And, um, and now I would do anything to just go back in time and have my sisters and brother, my mom and dad around that table one more time just to feel what it was like Mm -hmm. because we take things for granted that we don't have. So whether you have a big family, whether you have a broken family, whether you have not yet started a family, this podcast is about the family. This, this call to action is about being a family. And I will remind you uh, what it says in Hebrews 12, 11 is that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. The discipline to gather your kids around and tell them to put their things away and put your work away and to actually get out a meal and and cut it and do it yourself rather than order from Grubhub or DoorDash, it's a discipline. It's It's not the path of least resistance, that's for sure. It's a little bit harder to do, but it will produce a harvest Think about that word, a harvest. What do you think? A harvest. It'll produce a harvest of peace and righteousness. So my friends, I ask you to share this message. To my friends in Maui with the fam hat, (laughs) stay rooted in family. Mm -hmm. And then here we go, Ange. (laughs) There she is. And that's what it's all about. 
God bless you. Keep it strong. And we'll see you next time on the Turned On Podcast.